We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our guest is retired Navy SEAL Master Chief Steve Drum. So during your 27 years of service, you developed and led high-performance teams in combat at every level and in the most challenging and extreme environments. You trained and led U.S. and foreign partner special operations forces on high-risk and strategically vital missions across the globe including combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. And you co-developed and taught warrior toughness training for the U.S. Navy. And this vital program is instrumental in building tougher and more resilient Navy sailors and officers. And you're a speaker and you're a consultant and you're just an awesome human being. And I can't wait to learn from you today. Hey, thank you, Shannon. It's great to connect with you. It's great to see you. It's great to uh, be on your show. Yes. So tell me about how you have seen generosity at work. Well, I always just a story stands out to me. Um, you know, you, you make it through Navy SEAL training, BUDS, basic underwater demolition SEAL training, which is the uh, six-month assessment and selection process before you go on to your follow-on training. And so when you finally do show up at a SEAL team, you know, it's not necessarily the most uh, warm and inviting or hospitable uh, environment for, for a new guy or new meat, as, you, as you're referred to. As soon as you get in there, you're new meat. Yeah, nobody, you made it through some hard training, but so by, has everybody else there and nobody cares. But nonetheless, uh, you know, you show up there and it's not always like, you know, it's not like necessarily that that feeling of inclusivity. Like you're like, all right, I'm part of the team. I'm part of the family. You, you still have everything to prove. But sometimes, you know, the, the, it makes sense, right? Because you need people to be humble, right? You need yeah. people to like to really pick up the important lessons but from those that have the experience. But sometimes, you know, at least for me, for many of us during my, my peers, my new, my new meet peers, you find yourself kind of like retreating a little bit like, Harry, I just want to, I want to, I want to go through the day and, and be messed with as little as possible. Right. Right. There'd be like the training area where all the old guys would hang out and you try to kind of move past that as quick as you could. And one day I'm moving past and, and I hear this, Hey, meet, you know, and I'm like, uh Oh, I just stop. You know, and I turn around and it's this guy with this like intense looking glare, big curly red hair. He's like, come with me. And I'm like, oh, man. And I come with him and he takes me back to his office and he closes the door. He's looking at me and he's like, all right, you're going to come with me today. I'm going to teach you some stuff. It suddenly became apparent his whole purpose was to train me was to teach me something, was to kind of bring me into the team. And so that's what we did. We set up a compass course. He was always doing something like that with me and the other new guys. Like we, he would teach us how to customize or rig our gear. He would teach me how to like, because uh, we fly in these cargo planes all the time, how to, how to rig up a hammock. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and he was just always there. And I was like, all right, I see this is how – like, this is how I want to model my behavior from, you know? Mm. And so he, he became, you know, a, a really good friend. And uh, he, sadly, he was killed in uh, Afghanistan, the first seal to die in 2002. But, 
you know, like it's always kind of stayed with me. And I I try to model that right during my leadership. And those are things that we look for, those qualities, you know, in terms of of kind of service, of stepping stepping up and doing the right thing. And, you know, I remember like one of the last jobs I had in the Navy before I retired was to oversee the program that ran uh, the onboarding for new candidates, recruits that came in uh, to be uh, SEALs and air rescue swimmers and divers. Some of these men and women, young men and women, if they had some kind of medical issue or something in the record that, that caused them to be held behind, we'd, we'd have them work at the pool, right, to kind of support us, to help us run some workouts and, you know, take notes and all that kind of stuff. And, and I see these guys are coming in from a workout. Behind them is, is some of the people that do like the janitorial services. Mm-hmm. And I see this, this guy, you know, he's got a huge bag of trash and it just like breaks open the trash goes everywhere. And as the last guy like turns around and he looks and sees what happens. And then like five seconds later, I see the rest of them come out and help him pick up all the trash mm-hmm. and do all that. Right. To, to, to humble themselves, to kind of do, yeah. what, do what's right. Right. And those are the kind of things that we look for. Right. And, 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 you know, when you have new guys or, you know, something like that, who's going to take the initiative and be the first guy that's going to go over there and empty the trash can. Right. It's not really something we do in the in business world, but those, the, those little things are what we look at. Like who takes that initiative, who does for the person to the left and right of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, like without that, like you're not going to be a part of a, of a winning high-performing team. Absolutely. What is the name of the gentleman who died in Afghanistan? Neil Roberts. Neil Roberts. And what do you think Neil Roberts saw in you? that made him want to invest in you? It wasn't just me. I, I think we became friends, um, but he did it for all the new guys. He was like, that's just how he was as a person. Yeah. He was he was loved. He was revered. Um, that's so. just a great example, Steve, because you know you think of a Navy SEAL as somebody who's, uh, especially those training you and leading you as people that are just breaking you down and t- making you tough. And so you're saying like, yes, and like he made us tough and he cared about us and invested in us and made us feel worthy and loved. And he held us to a standard as well. It wasn't just like he was some big teddy bear, like, right. I mean, he, he would like, if we were screwing up, he would definitely let us know it. Right. And through like the, the last part of our, uh, our, our deployment, right. I mean, he took us all new guys together and said, Hey, you're starting to slack off a little bit. You're getting a little too comfortable. You're still new guys until the wheels uh, of that aircraft touchdown on the runway after your first deployment back home. You better keep staying humble and doing the right things and make sure stuff gets done. What are other examples that you have experienced as a Navy SEAL with generosity? I was doing some training. I was running training down in middle of nowhere in the Southern United States. We do a, a lot of assault training and we work. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, close quarter combat guys run through doors really fast, shoot really close to one another. And then as they do it in a, a huge maze like structure, there's explosions going out on the hallway. It's use explosions, uh, explosive breaching charges to go into the door. And, and some of these charges are packed with like, uh, you know, steel belted rubber. And so I mean, at one time I came around the corner and I was, uh, and one of these charges went off and I was like safely out of the blast area. But uh, I got hit by some of this like belted rubber going off at like 3,700 feet per second, and it fractured my jaw. It like uh, it, it it splintered like my chin right there, and I had surgery. And I was like rushed to the ER. And, and one of my teammates stayed with me all night 
And then my, my wife wanted to come down. She wanted to fly my mother-in-law down. Right. And he decided he was just going to take all the points from his credit card and just book them flights just all on his own and get it taken care of without consulting anybody mm-hmm. and like brought them in and picked them up and just without being prompted or just took wow. care of us. And guys will do things like that, but not every guy will always go above and beyond. And, mm-hmm. and he did. And I, you know, we didn't, we didn't ever forget it. That's incredible. This sounds like he, he knew what you needed personally and took it upon himself to make that happen. So as a master chief, you know, you were responsible for a lot of people and you also created training that has been used still, from what I understand, for the warrior toughness. Um, what, what aspects of that training or your own experiences as a leader um, include the awareness of and responsibility for your, you know, fellow SEALs? Well, you know, I, I loved my time in the military and I, I, I to be honest, I, I loved my contribution in removing the enemy from the battlefield, right? But, you know, if I look back and I say, all right, well, my biggest contribution, the thing that I, I'm probably the most proud of, it's the training and development, right? And for, for the part I had, and, and, not, and again, I, I didn't always do it perfectly, but for those that I saw that, like, I felt like I had a hand in getting them advanced and mm-hmm. seeing them flourish as leaders on their own, you know, those are the things that I can look back at proudly. Uh, you know, when I developed the the Warrior Toughness Program for the Navy, you know, the part that I developed was the framework and, and the chaplains that we worked with would actually teach character development components. And so when I work with organizations today, though, a lot of things that, that I teach, you know, are when you're in that moment, like where it's like that high stakes or when you want to be effective is to always make sure that you're taking a beat, you're taking a pause, you're stepping back. And you're having that time for that like really quick assessment of what's going on, that situational awareness and that focus to make sure that because a lot of times we get into these situations and we have, you know, our pre-planned agendas, exactly what we want this person to to have, what we want to give them, what we want to tell them. uh, But sometimes we fail to really capitalize on what that person needs, Mm -hmm. right? We have what we're prepared to show up with, but we fail to let the situation inform us of actually the best way that we can be of service. And so what I like to impart is for situations like that is for you to be be more reflective and observant, Mm to stop and look around and say, okay, how can I best influence this situation in the positive, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's something I hadn't initially walked through the door wanting to do. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say there, Steve, is that it's not about you, right? Because I think if you're led by your ego, then what you want to do is show, how smart you are, how capable you are to be present, to be receptive, to take a beat, to kind of soak it in, to be curious, right? Which is more of a a generous, inclusive, let's co-create this together kind of a thing. One of the, the very first lessons when you show up at the BUDS training, like almost the very first thing you hear out of their mouth is you're not going to make it through this training by yourself. For those of you, few of you that graduate the program and go on to the SEAL teams, you won't go on to do great things on your own, right? Yeah. You have to be about the people to the left and right of you. You have to do it as a team. You have to be able to lean in uh, to these relationships for for you to be successful. And I I guess, you know, the humility part, it's hard to, to look around me and not see people that that I feel are so much more capable and like extreme operators and, and lead with such, uh, you know, 
great character. It's, it's hard for me not to be humbled in their presence. Sure. So that's what I always, I always don't have to look far to see peers of mine that I really respect. And I'm like, yeah, man, they're doing great stuff. Uh, yeah. Let me just try to take a page out of their book. And so mm -hmm. I, that's kind of how I've always kind of looked at a lot of things. And that's just me being, being fortunate to be in such a community be surrounded by such great people. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I see that in you and how you operate, you know, you are very humble being as accomplished as you are. And one of your best attributes is your interest in, and the way that you bring out goodness in other people, like bring out their strengths. You know, when you and I first met, you know, at Heroic Public Speaking, you know, I feel like that was such a special community because it couldn't have been any more different than the community I left in the military. But there still was that aspect of do for the people to the left and right of you. And I've been a such, you know, I've been such a big beneficiary of so many people like yourself, right? Just exceedingly generous people. Uh, never want anything in return, but to just offer what they can do to help, you know, get somebody a, a little closer to their goals. You know, I, I learned from my wife too. I, I know one of the times when she left a job because it just wasn't going where she, she had wanted it to go and she didn't have a job. She was looking for a job, but I was just kind of really taken aback by how much time she spent trying to get other people jobs. <laughs> too why she tried to leverage her connections to yeah. get all the people that you knew some were her friends some were people that she didn't know really really well mm -hmm. uh and i was just like i took a lesson from that and and so i was i was always very impressed and, and yeah. very much respect her for that right so she knew like one of the assets she had was a network and probably influence and experience and she wanted to help people if if you as a leader of an organization can make that your cultural norm, can model that behavior, can model like initiative, can model humility, can model like, hey, I'm gonna like roll up my sleeves and do some heavy lifting, then you know I'm a part of, of creating that culture of people that will do for one another. When we come back, Steve will share his perspective on the return on generosity and his commitment to serve. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. At QuadPod, we have a variety of podcasts that are as unique as you. When you visit quadpod.com, you'll see our shows listed by category as well as average episode length. Find a new podcast at qodpod.com, the QuadPod Podcast Network. That's qodpod.com. And we're back with more from my friend, Steve Drum. What would you say are some of the, the benefits or the outcomes? You know, we call the podcast ROG, which is return on generosity. Like, and not, again, not to give so that you get, but the fact is you do, you get so much. Doesn't it just feel awesome? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and yes, not necessarily why you always do it, right? You do it because you identify like, a, you know, a need, but you know, uh, for example, like people who know somebody, maybe it's their son, it's their cousin, it's whatever that's like, he wants to be a Navy SEAL and they feel like I'm going to be put out 
if they uh, if they ask me to have a call with, with this young man or, or young women even. And I'm always, I feel like, of course, like I feel like, you know, sometimes people should have an obligation if they hold something that may be somewhat unique being able to offer a service, like you should feel like that. And then when you do that, you should be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I, I did a good thing. And, and when, when that happens, you know, you feel like a level of motivation, right? And yeah. I feel like when you do that, like when you are in an environment where people do that, it's very energizing, it creates bonds, it creates trust. Mm-hmm. And so at every opportunity where you can build those deeper roots within your network or within your team, then, yeah. then lead that way. And it's a fundamental element of leadership is, is, is being able to do for those people. Totally agree. As much as we are responsible for our own path, our own, you know, sense of purpose, we can influence and support other people's sense of purpose. I know that's something you really believe. You know, I'll go back to when COVID hits and like I've all the all, all my my paying gigs that were all in person, they all dry dried up and, and I hadn't really made the pivot to the virtual stuff, right? And so I was really like, all right, well, what do I do? I mean, I'm retired, so it's like I'm I, I've got like I've got some comfort, right? Very lucky compared to many people. But I still I was like, I need to get that sense of purpose. And I think when you when you look at like trying to help other people with that, it gives you that sense of purpose. And I think I do say like, you know, whether you read like Simon Sinek talks about the why, uh, it's very important that you are that self-determination for your own sense of purpose, right? When, when morale seems to dip in organizations, when you start to face that doubt, when you start to kind of feel that uh, disillusionment kind of set in, a lot of times it's because you start to lose that sense of purpose. You know, even with when, when you work for a great organization, right, and you love your organization, it, it, you know, if we're being honest, we realize that we don't always love the direction that organization is going. You know, we don't always gel with every teammate or leader, and but we do have to have kind of that personal philosophy. How do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to be seen by others? What do yeah. I stand for? What am I about? Who am I? You know, we have to have that peace, and that's we're responsible for that. And and, and once we have that then it's, again, our, our obligation to help to, to realize that we, we can form that, that sense of purpose in other people, right? We right. can be that source of strength and that connection for them to say, you know what? I, were, I may not like this specific task, but I sure like the people that I work with right now because they're there for me. Uh, yeah. You can really cre- you know, be instrumental in, in, in you know, giving that way. Yes, and even if you're not totally jiving with the direction that, say, some of the senior leaders have taken or, you know, merging with another organization or whatever some of the complexities are that you're dealing with, that you can find the purpose in your leadership of other people or like in the modeling. I think some of the examples that you've shared already, Steve, are around how you show up, you know, how you influence people just by being who you are. So one of your life mottos that you've shared with me is, I am a professional, I don't crumble when things get hard, and I exist to be of service. Can you tell us more about that? You know, I, I, one of the things we would teach warrior toughness and, and I, I taught the people that would teach the recruits. So it was almost like train the trainer kind of thing. These were yeah. the, the drill sergeants, right? The, or we call them in the Navy recruit division commanders. And, and our training was, was for them to, to pass it on. And so I, I would always say, hey, it was really important for me to say, hey, develop a personal philosophy. Mm-hmm. The personal philosophy, these are the things that I just described a second ago, which, which was, you know, who am I? What do I stand for? 
where, where do I want to go and what am I willing to do to get there and, and how do I want to be seen by others? And so I, I try to take that and I try to make it as very simple as possible. But I try to say is an example that I think everybody can kind of kind of use, right? I don't take things for granted. You know, whether I'm doing it's it's a high paid gig or whether I, I'm going on somebody's show or whether it's it's with a bunch of high school kids. I make sure that I dedicate the same level of preparation for any of those things mm-hmm. to make sure because that's just, that's because that's what I feel is important. That's what I feel like needs to be modeled. Right. So if you get me to, to you put me in front of somebody, you, you'll know that I, I will, I will give my very best. And, and, you know, I also make it clear that I continue to work at the type of rehearsal, the type of uh, emotional regulation, mindfulness training that enables me to, and I, again, when, when you got teenage kids, right, it, it easier said than done sometimes, right? Uh, I acknowledge that I, that I, that I fall short sometimes, right? Uh, but I try to endeavor to have those type of skills that when things start to stress me, uh, somebody says something that, that angers me, that I'm able to respond in a meaningful way as opposed to just react with what the emotions when they take over, right? And lastly, I have to have that sense of purpose. When all else fails, I want to, I choose to walk away with the fact that I, I exist to provide value. I exist to provide service. Yeah. Uh, and when I look in the mirror, I can be satisfied with who yeah. I am. Oh my gosh. That's so great for all of us to consider how well we can answer those questions and good guiding principles. You know, you're, you're a, an educator and a coach of mental toughness. You're, you speak to all levels of people and how to equip them for those high stake moments. So, you know, your willingness to really put everything you have on the line for the mission is something that most of us can't really comprehend. So what could you teach us about that, Steve? Well, there's, you know, in the SEAL teams, like you would imagine any branch of service, we got our, uh, a ton of expressions. And one of them is, you know, when, when the bullets are flying, you won't magically rise to the occasion and do great things. You're going to fall instead to your level of training. You're going to fall to your level of preparation. When you arrive at the SEAL teams, you've already been tested. Your level of commitment in terms of are you willing to, to do what the person to the left and right of you might not be willing to do mm-hmm. in terms of like when, when you're cold, when you're tired, when you're hungry, and that person can't take any more, you're committed to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then you're committed to put the needs of, of the boat crew, of the team, of the mission above your own personal sense of suffering. And if you're not willing to do that, you'll never make it to the SEAL teams. And, and once you're there, you've already kind of acknowledged that that's what you are and, and who you are and what you're willing to do. And so when you're outside of a door and you walk through that door knowing that you could be shot, your, feel, your fear of failure, your, your fear of being thought a coward, uh, of, of coming up short, it actually is that supersedes the fear for your own personal safety. Mm. And so that's just how you're conditioned uh, at that point. Uh, but in terms of like for business, when we have to, to perform on those X's, right? Me walking through the door, right? That's combat. But, you know, one of the connections I try to make is that's there's everybody has their own like on that X moment, right? And, and yes. to, to varying degrees of seriousness. and if you want to show up that day and be able to prepare all that stuff takes, you know, is formed well in advance of that moment. Mm-hmm. And you have to be committed in the training and the skills. Yeah. Uh, you have to make sure you sharpen that mental game. Mm-hmm. But so when you're, you're, you're situationally aware, you're able to kind of 
quiet those fears a little bit so you can think critically uh, and make composed decisions. And that starts with a process. That doesn't just happen by itself. Maybe for some people it's easier, but if you really want to perform in those moments, then you've got to put the work in. Yes. Yeah, because you'll be reduced to your level of training or preparation, you're saying, because nobody's just going to rise to the occasion and be mentally tough, present, um, as focused as they could be. But And how can I think in advance about how I might react and how I like who I want to be. And that's another thing I keep hearing you say, Steve, is that it starts with you being clear in advance of how you want to be. Like you think about that ahead of time and then you say, okay, so what would I need to do to be prepared when I'm getting triggered? How will I react in a way that's more in sync with what I decided I'm going to be? Yes, exactly. And as a professional, you know, very often people can get by to a certain degree on talent, but when things go sideways, when things go off that script, then you find out who people really are. Yeah. Right? And somebody who's uh, who who's, looks like they're a fairly good speaker, and all of a sudden their slides don't come up in the middle of a big keynote. How well are they able to to pivot and just start delivering? You know, slides come back up or they don't come back up, right? But it doesn't yeah. matter. You keep dropping on. Uh, and that's how you find out like the, the real professionals, the elite units in the military, the ones that practice how to do it right. They know what it looks like when it's done right, but they spend so much time about how to build contingencies, how to pivot, how to be flexible uh, and agile. Brilliant. So if you could give us one parting word of wisdom, what would it be? You, you know, as a leader, as an individual, never miss an opportunity to demonstrate humility. Just one curiosity question before we close is breaching leadership. Tell me why you named your organization that. A friend of mine actually helped me c come up with that, right? And breaching is, you know, a method of entry, right? Whether it's uh, as, as a seal tactical element, you're trying to gain access to a structure or a compound and you're breaching a wall, you're breaching a door, you're getting through with explosives, mechanical tools, uh, manual tools, whatever that is, a door kick, right? You breach that. And as you go through, right, you're on that X, you got to get in there and how do you perform when you find yourself right in that X at that breach point, right? New emerging leaders or, or identified uh, potential leaders within an organization, they're thrust into this position when they're breaching that first opportunity of leadership. Have we effectively set them up to, to succeed or, or have we failed to give them the training they need and they look for an exit sign? So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Love it. Thank you, Steve. It's been such a gift to connect with you. Thank you, Shannon. It was fun. I had a great time. ROG takeaway tip, how we can apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Steve shared so many great examples of generosity at work as a Navy SEAL and in his life. His life motto, I am a professional. I don't crumble when things get hard. I exist to be of service. The conversation you just heard is an example of his commitment to those truths. How about you? What's your life motto? If you don't have one, create one. But before you create your motto or mission, let's clarify why it matters to have one. What is the purpose of a life motto or mission statement? Steve would describe it as when you're on the X, meaning a situation that's uncomfortable, unwanted, or unfortunate. How do you want to respond? When you look back at those moments, what response would make you proud and self-respected? My mission statement for the past 25 years has been 
I serve God by choosing love. Choosing love over fear, choosing love over ego, choosing love over retaliation, choosing love over being right. Choosing love, I believe, is an active and intentional thing that enables me to be congruent with my core values and treat myself and others with dignity and respect. How about you? How do you want to show up? What do you stand for? What's your purpose? (laughs) That question seems daunting, and I think we overcomplicate it. It's not really a mystery. The real question is, what do you really care about? What are things in life that you care about in a significant way? Like you're curious about these things, you talk about these things, you deeply empathize when you recognize the challenges to progress related to these things. Like maybe you really care about culture and you commit yourself to modeling, learning about, and investing in feedback to create a really outstanding culture. Maybe you really care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You're committed to finding the systems that only benefit some, like social systems, talent management systems, compensation systems, and rebuilding them. Maybe your focus is on coaching others. Like Steve, you want to equip others with mental toughness, clear vision, conviction of purpose, and accountability. The things you care about most are indicators of your purpose. Take a quiet moment along with a journal or notebook and listen to yourself. Allow your inner wisdom to take the lead, then declare it and establish habits and rituals to enable you to accomplish your mission. We need you to be on that X and do what only you can do. And can we take a moment of silence to honor those who have served our country and are no longer with us? Let's include Neil Roberts. Thank you. We are grateful for the ultimate generosity. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.